Hello and welcome to How Many Geese. I'm Jack Baddams. And I'm Roddy Shaw. And if you're looking for a nature podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously... Then we are the natural selection. On today's show... I, I think we have to think of the strengths that each uh, each of us is bringing to this mission. I want to say that my main strength is passion. <laughs> <laughs> wind's not even a weather. Wind, wind's like, what? Like a condiment of the weather. Like, it's not even... <laughs> what is the wind? Like... And of course, the dick dicks. Yep, motion passed. Yep. yep. <laughs> okay, Jack Baddams. Roddy Shaw. If I said to you December 25th, you would say... Christmas Day. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Correct. <laughs> if I said to you October 31st... Halloween. Yeah. February 14th. Valentine's Day. January 27th. Not a clue. Pass. Okay. So, obviously the first few were holidays. Yeah. But beyond holidays, there are in the calendar year world days oh yeah so and there's so many of them there are so many of them so we're going to start with just to frame this if anyone is completely adrift at this point so the proper world days are those steered by unesco and i'm only saying proper for i don't know what else to say but but they're steered by unesco as days designated for marking and commemorating important aspects of human life and history so january 27th is international holocaust remembrance day Mm -hmm. 11th of february international day of women and girls in stem Mm -hmm. 5th of may is both african world heritage day celebrating africa and everything Mm -hmm. that's going on there and World Portuguese Language Day, which I have to say feels like a tricky situation if you live in Angola. There's a conflict of interest. Or any of the other kind of African Portuguese colonies. Yep. But anyway. 22nd of May, International Day for Biological Diversity. Uh-huh. Right. Now, as well as those days, there are, as you mentioned, the mad days. Yeah. Right. And that's just a free for it. Like, I could just claim that today is the national day of badams well i'll give you one better in six days time the 12th of january yeah. that is world oh i don't know kiss a ginger day oh <laughs> believe it or not i have heard about this one <laughs> january 24th kiss a brunette day <laughs> talk like a grizzled prospector day <laughs> sublime like now how does a grizzled prospector talk ruddy Oh, Jack Badams, how does a grizzled prospect... How does a prospect... Genuine, I'm genuinely asking that question. Well, I think it'd be like, um, there's golden... Oh, there, there's yeah. golden them hills. Yeah. Nerd, guard, grizzle. <laughs> grizzle, grizzle. Get your big axes. No, that's what I've gone, oh, I've gone West Country. Have you seen... That's what I'm struggling to do anything that's sort of <laughs> not on this island. Have you seen Disney's Atlantis? No. Uh, well, that completely <laughs> fell flat. Anyway. But the, I'm sure the listeners have. In the animated film, there's a grizzled prospector who plays the chef. And uh, someone says, oh, have you got the four food groups? He goes, I got your four basic food groups, beans, bacon, whiskey, and lard. Okay, yeah. So I think that's... <laughs> I think you nailed it, that. Grizzled prospector speak. I Now, these say... Like, trying to pin these down is weird because you're just Googling, like, list of world days, yeah. which is just the days um and i don't want to say most of them are american but like i'm not not saying that yeah and on this list which had 
the days and then next to it it had world or particular country many of them were down as world for example (laughs) this day was down as being a world day yeah but just let me know if you see anything which makes you think it might be from a particular country (laughs) august 8th is sneak some zucchini onto your neighbor's porch day world World. sneak some world zucchini zucchini onto your neighbor's porch day yeah because all nations of the world have (laughs) zucchini and porches um september 19th uh uh place some oregano (laughs) on the sidewalk day well the correct answer was my birthday Um, (laughs) but it's also apparently international talk like a pirate day oh i've heard of that one i did hey that was a good pirate i've heard of that one there we go so yeah i look forward to my piratey (laughs) birthday Birthday cards um may 4th uh star wars day yeah and that one makes sense may the fourth be with you may 20th total horseshit be a millionaire day (laughs) that's not how it works someone just saw that you could make any day you wanted and went hang on yeah be a millionaire day and then the last one in this list just i've pulled out november 2nd this i think is is the most like be a millionaire day was bullshit but this is this barely makes sense Mm. november 2nd look for circles day that's not no that's <laughs> not what, what is, no, so we, i think we need to stage an intervention on right. people making more days <laughs> but this put me on to there is a venn diagram mm. between the unesco world days and the horseshit days mm. which are the environmental days okay so january 5th yesterday was national bird day Ooh. in the usa okay that's something we can get on board with yeah we like that let me know if you think these are kind of on board with or bullshit. Okay. January 31st, International Zebra Day. That, that get in the bin. All right. February 2nd is both World Ostrich and World Marmot Day. <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's the Venn diagram there? It's, it's not like a shared day. Yeah, it's just... The, it's two just separate the, labels. The ostrich people and the marmot people just both settled on February the 2nd. Yeah. Yeah um february 27th so are we saying bullshit i I just i I think i it's one thing to say you know there's earth day yeah there's biodiversity day it's the celebrations of the single species that i don't think i can get on board with how do you feel about february 27th being international polar bear day To be fair, that's that's that's. I'm feeling I'm feeling a bit better about that one, but it's just because it seems that's more of like a polar bears. You can tie in the whole they're all dying from climate change. And look, I know everything's all dying from climate change, listener. But I don't think marmots need celebrating on their own day. They've got they've got Groundhog Day. Like we we don't need another day for them. So uh, and ostriches and zebras, polar bears big famous struggling with lack of habitat i don't think we yeah i don't think we need zebra day or ostrich day i can see what you're saying flagship fine lesser than yeah yeah how do you feel about shark awareness day world chimpanzee day and world orca day all being july 14th so individually i'm for all of those yep i think yep 
I'm not sure about putting shark and orchid on the same one because orchids just slap sharks about. Well, I'm just thinking back to our Animal Highlander episode, mm. which all three of those were in. Oh, as we tried to work out who is the one animal to rule them all. Yeah, and uh, I, I just think that's a crowded day. Yeah, it's a crowded like day. ostriches and marmots. You can <laughs> stack them. But I feel yeah. chimps, sharks, and orcas need a yeah. bit of separating. And there's a lot to talk about. I mean, sharks spe- specifically need their own day. Yeah. Because we're fucking sharks up to yeah. an unreal, ungodly level. They need a month. Yeah. June 15th, Global Wind Day. That That's... <laughs> what? What are, what are we thinking? What are we thinking? Like, we're just doing weather now. They're, they're all over. Wind's not even a weather. Wind Wind's like, what? Like a condiment of the weather. Like, it's not even... <laughs> what is the wind? Like, why are we celebrating the wind? Okay, how about there being a World Dolphin Day? Fine. I just want to say World Dolphin Day, okay. And separately, a Japan Dolphin Day. No. <laughs> you, you know, you've done it with the world. <laughs> but also, um, my girlfriend works in sustainable seafood. Right. I like Japan picking their own day for dolphins. <laughs> There's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that got pointed out to me. Yeah, yeah, but it goes. When you say she works in sustainable seafood, do you mean like sort of swimming around in it? <laughs> like <laughs> her desk space is just it's krill, lime just... court tuna. <laughs> so we've got the days. Mm. There are also the weeks, the years, and the decades. decades. So, for example, in the US, the first week of February is National Green Week. We have National Tree Week here in the UK. Right. I should say, by the way, that I would say that they get, well, do they? I was about to say slightly more valid. By the time we hit decades, I feel they're valid. Okay. Because decades were back in the UN behind the driver's seat. Uh, So we've got National Green Week in the US. We've got National Tree Week here in the UK. 2024 is the International Year of Camelids in Agriculture. So for all those camel farmers listening, <laughs> what banging? What are they going to do to celebrate that? Like the, this is the thing. Like what do they? Yep. Like the Camel Olympics isn't happening, is it? No. What are they doing? Oh, I don't know. Don't know yeah. But you yeah. know, here we go. Um, Camels yeah. though. Yeah. In agriculture. Yep. This year. Yep. Watch this space. Watch this space. Watch this space. We are currently 2021 to 2030, the UN decade on ecosystem restoration. Great. We could be doing better. We go. <laughs> yeah. 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 C plus. <laughs> so that gets us kicked off. Okay. And I feel, like I said, that we've got the kind of, you know, women in science, mm-hmm. Holocaust, the big UNESCO stuff. Mm-hmm. We've got, and the list of like horseshit world days <laughs> is ridiculous. Endless. Dude, one of them was like, take your houseplant for a walk day. <laughs> No. And between that, there Keep is that to yourself. <laughs> environment days, right? Yeah. Bat appreciation, nice. International Palaces Cat Day. I feel like they're nowhere near flagship enough no. to... Yeah. Uh, Wild Koala Day, World Donkey Day, Bike to... I mean, there is, it's, there's hundreds. Yeah. There's hundreds. And I look through all of them, but in all of this, there was one day which stood out to me. And that's because... Well... August 12th, Mm. World Hirola Day. H-I-R-O-L-A. Hirola? And that's the face I was looking for. I've never heard of Hirola. What the fuck is a Hirola? 
H-I-R-O-L-A. Yep. yep. Do you want to take a swing at what this is? In any shape. So all I've got, all I am latching onto, yep. by the, the, the millimetres of my fingernails, yep. is that Hirola sounds a bit like Hirundo, <laughs> which is the Latin name for swallows. And it means... I can't remember what it means. But I know I don't think it's a bird because I've, ne- I've never. Well, it's not a bird because I've never heard of it. Um, <laughs> That's the confidence of a man. So uh, yeah, I, I, no, I have no idea. So the Hirola, and this is actually now we're venturing into what yeah. what's happening here. The Hirola is considered to be the world's most endangered antelope, with a global population size of roughly five hundred and none in captivity. Oh, shit. Yeah. So we're talking endangered. We're endangered, endangered. Can I Google it? Yeah, you can Google yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, get yourself a picture. Get myself a picture of a Hirola. Oh, hello. Yeah. Do you want to describe it for us? So it's a... Um, let me get, let me just make these bigger. So it's a nice tan colour. It's quite looks quite tall, quite leggy, and it's got... Its antlers are really cool. I don't know how to describe the shape of its antlers, but they're like oryx antlers in that they've got like the ridges going up them, but they're straight vertical. Well, they come out of the head to a a point and then go straight vertical up. Basically, they look like a big antelope, (laughs) (laughs) but with these, the, the antler, the horns, I guess, are really cool. They look a bit like, is that right? Shoe pastry? Yeah, that's Is that right? I, is that what I'm thinking of? Well, it's a I'm, I mean it's hard. you could have said car, like I don't know what you're thinking of. Shoe pastry is a thing. <laughs> no, I'm thinking of like when you no, when no you part <laughs> of me looking at the antelope was like, ah, yes, shoe pastry. No, I'm thinking of when you make when you when you put the thing out of the when you I'm thinking maybe more cake decoration. When you put the because their antlers have looked like they're made out of separate blobs like stuck on top of each other going or at least i'm looking at a picture here oh like when people put the the cake blobs going around the rim of a yeah. cake and it's like blob into blob into blob into blob into yeah. blob maybe that's what i'm talking about that's not shoe pastry <laughs> just google it listener <laughs> anything about the face and the eyes so i've just said as i've enlarging this picture to try and battle my way through describing its horns i've just noticed it's got it looks like it's got little specks on yes so they are, yeah, as Jack said, tan-coloured with almost like a white ski mask over their eyes. Mm. But then right in front and below their eyes, they've got these other glands, these dark black spots, oh. which has also lent them the name the four-eyed antelope. Ah, yes. And the glands are used in scent, marking territory, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, in the picture here, I literally just thought it was a fly sat on the side of its face. No. But yeah, I can see them now in the other pictures. That's the Hirola. Mm-hmm. World's most endangered antelope, but not only is it critically endangered, but ZSL have identified it as being an edge of extinction species, where edge is an acronym. It's one of their big kind of schemes, and it stands for evolutionary distinct and globally endangered, because the Hirola is the only living member of its genus, making it genetically and evolutionary distinct. Right. And given how rare it is, the IUCN states that the loss of the Hirola would be the first extinction of a mammalian genus on mainland Africa in modern human history. Oh, damn. Whereabouts in Africa is it? It's from between, it's basically the border of Kenya and Somalia. Okay, so sort of northern sub-Saharan Africa. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't make life any easier for those trying to conserve it. No. Because it's quite a politically spicy part of the world. Mm. Let's get to grips slightly more so people can finish building the picture of it in their minds. Uh, It's a medium-sized antelope of about 1.2 meters at the shoulder, between 70 to 120 kilos. Basically sandy. Much like the giraffe in the Valentine's episode we learnt, mm. uh, the males partake in flemen. Oh, great. So have a, for anyone unfamiliar, that means that to understand if the female is ready to mate, they take a little taste of her urine, mm. which is that connected to being a population of 500? <laughs> I don't know. Why is there none in captivity? Um, is there a reason? Or do you just know that there's none in captivity? Of like, because I know that there's countries, um, there's countries that are quite protective over some of their animals. But that's why I asked whereabouts in Africa does it live? Is it spread across one country? Because there's like Caribbean islands that hold some really unique populations of birds that people have been trying to get out of those islands for a long time. But the government's like, no, we're going to protect the. They belong to us. We don't want any ex situ. And I wondered if there was a similar thing with the Harola. Or it just seems mad that this thing has only got 500 left and we don't at least have a little population somewhere. So I think there, it, there's like semi-captive in as much as... So there used to be tens of thousands, tens of tens of thousands of thousands yeah. in the 70s to 80s, but there was a 90% decline between 83 and 85. Now, I don't... In two years? Yeah, I don't know exclusively what happened in those two years however the threats to them at large are disease from livestock habitat loss livestock taking their grazing areas poaching and all the rest so i don't know it said they're particularly susceptible to two diseases from livestock one was tb and one was a kind of parasite so i don't know if that just went rampant in two years was any rinderpest was that one yes yeah yeah rinderpest yeah okay that. Yeah, yeah, uh, and so just to go back on the on the kind of captivity point, so in 2014 there was a predator-proof fence erected around 23 square kilometers, and 40 or so were put in there as a founding population, and they seem to be breeding well. But that bit of news is now 10 years old. Okay. Um, but I think so that to me feels like you know there's some in a fence, yeah, but there's none in a zoo. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and and it's still all within there native range there's, exactly. there's none like there's none in, in shipped know. all over yeah. yeah and they're basically in the wow. one little area and then a handful as well were taken to another wildlife park nearby okay but yeah we're talking very very small area mm. so all this brings me back to world Herola day yep which if we remember the idea behind these world days be they bullshit or otherwise um it's to raise awareness of them so I kind of felt like we'd given antelopes and the hooved a yeah. generally bad time Yeah, on the show. Okay, yeah. Uh, Jack Badham's is a man who famously says that even the worst bird is better than the best mammal. It's true. There's a lot of hooves <laughs> out there, so that's condemning a lot to the basement. Yeah. So I just thought we'd take a bit to just have a, have a little more of a deep dive on the Harola and then antelopes at large. I like this because antelope you watch a nature documentary yep if an antelope's in it yep what's what's happening to it it's getting eaten it's getting eaten yeah we never enjoy them we never take a moment on their own terms yeah it's always this is food for the exciting thing with the sharp teeth and yeah. you know whatever okay yeah i'm here for this i think okay. this is good 
So, World Hirola Day, let's finish off here. There is an NGO, which is the Hirola Conservation Program, mm. and it's this program who seem to have set up the day to raise awareness. As you mentioned, anyone can set up anything, but I feel like this is very much in their wheelhouse. It's yeah. not them starting Take Your Houseplant for a Walk Day. Yeah. Okay, they're doing the day for their thing. Hirola Conservation was set up by Dr. Abdullah Ali, who is a Kenyan conservationist who just so happens to have been born and raised in a village called Garissa, which is in this tiny home territory that the Hirola are from. Oh, cool. And despite the challenges of the area in generally having very low literacy, um, Abdullah Ali went on to get a PhD in ecology and then went back to his local area to basically, he realised that the only way they're going to save this thing is with very strong homegrown solutions. And he now works with Somali communities on the border and everything else to try and ensure nice. that this antelope survives. Yeah, because actually, I, you know, I want to say I was very uh like oh why is there non-captivity why isn't there any elsewhere in the world but if there are projects in their home range that are well put together trying to save them then it shouldn't be up to people elsewhere to try and protect them i just want to read out a little bit about the upbringing of dr ali so we can get more of a sense of the guy um from the stories dr ali was born a natural explorer for example one evening at the tender age of four years he walked away from their makeshift home his family were nomadic herders he walked away from their makeshift home and made a foray of over 80 kilometers alone he was primarily driven by curiosity to find more about the natural world. He was later rescued and reunited with his family a month later when someone recognised and positively identified him as a lost child. Since then, his passion for conservation has been intrinsic and inherent. These childhood experiences helped him see and fall in love with the wild part of nature from a what? tender age. What? I would like to offer a goose salute <laughs> to Dr. Ali for just being a bit of a madman. <laughs> for surviving a month on his own as a four-year-old. Um, yeah. Fair play. So goose salute. Go on and decide you're going to save the world's most endangered antelope. Yeah, having survived a month on your own as a four-year-old in the African bush. Yeah, fair play. So let's dive in to antelopes. Yeah. Antelopes are not a monophyletic group, so this means there's no sort of one pack of antelopes. Genetically, they're kind of a collection of things from all over. Um, and they are basically, they all exist within the family, the bovids. And essentially, an antelope is anything in the bovids that is not a sheep, a cow, or a goat. Right. <laughs> now, I want to ask something, because I'm not entirely sure mm -hmm. of where they sit. What's the relationship between deer and antelope? Ah, now, so, they are only distantly related to deer. Ah. However, they fill virtually identical ecological roles. And there's an almost yin and yang thing. So, antelope, there's 90 species, most of which are in Africa. Where you find loads of antelope, you find very few deer. Mm. Where you find loads of deer, you find very few antelope. So they really are just filling... They're doing the exact yeah. same thing in different places. A difference between them is that deer antlers are shed and regrow annually. Antelope horns, which are bone and grow steadily. So if an antelope horn is broken, it will either remain so or take years to fix. If a deer horn is broken, they're regrowing them every, every year. Yeah, that makes sense. A wildebeest is technically an antelope what yeah is it it fulfills that description of being a bovid that is not a sheep a cow or a goat therefore a wildebeest is an antelope i thought it was a cow well bovid bovine wait you're not going to tell me that like cows are antelope are you no they're the things that aren't antelopes okay right. so you've got bovids which yeah. are the cows and the grass eating thingies which is yeah 
and then under there, yeah. there's a load of cows. Yeah. There's a load of sheep. I thought the wildebeest were just in the cows. And there's a load of type mm. of antelope. Well, shit. There we go. Every day's a school day. Um, we, in the past, despite having said that we've given them a bit of a hard time, we have featured a very particular antelope. It's quite a special antelope. Is it from Europe slash Asia? Yeah. It's got a, a big funny nose. Yep. Is that Saiger antelope? It is the Saiger. So the Saiger is a specially adapted cold antelope. Uh, for anyone unfamiliar, in our episode Arm the Voles, we looked at a thing called the necrobiome, which is basically when there's a mass die-off of animals and the death creates a whole new thing. Uh, a number of years ago, there was a huge population crash in Saiger. However, good bit of conservation news. In the last sort of 12 months, the population's bounced back. Yay. And they're now back up to being in the millions. Oh, fantastic. So you were like up to the horizon of hundreds of thousands dead. Yeah. Good. I would like to put forward that antelope have very fun names. So. Mm, I'll be the judge of that. Thank you very much. Saiga. Yeah. Hirola. Yeah. Dibatags. Ooh. Geranooks. Eland. Duca. Lechwe. Basa. Niala. Grisbok. Oribi. And of course, the Dictics. Yep. Motion passed. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the range in sizes is absolutely huge. You've got the biggest antelope at 950 kilos, five foot ten tall, the Eland. The smallest antelope, 23 centimeters, one and a half kilos. Is that the little dick dick? It's actually yeah. the royal antelope. Oh. So. Royal. There we go. Mm. A small monarch. Your highness. This was, I think, quite a cool thing about antelopes. They react differently to different predators, and it also goes to show just how sort of tuned up their senses must be. Basically, they know, and this is very African savanna-centric, but they know the different attack strategies of different predators. So they will let a lion get very close to them, mm -hmm. so long as they can see it, right? because they know that the way lion hunt are ambush. Yeah. So a lion can get to within 200 meters of them, but if they can see a cheetah 800 meters away... <laughs> They'll move. Like, no way. Yeah. Because <laughs> they don't want it anywhere near them. Because that 800 metres can be 8 centimetres in seconds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're not that well cut out for domestication. They don't mm. domesticate well. They Like, I've thought this when I'm watching nature mm. documentaries and stuff. To be a antelope or a deer... Yep. You're just... Like, the stress levels. Yeah. <laughs> because they're constantly on edge everything's trying to eat them and they got like the big eyes and they're always really nervous and always really tetchy and it must be exhausting yeah to be an antelope yeah everything's out to eat you yeah yeah absolutely and on the domestication side so one of the reasons why they're not is because they're very skittish yeah exactly okay. very stressed yeah. they can jump incredibly well meters mm. so you need fences up to you know god knows however weirdly the biggest antelope, the Eland, it turns out does kind of take fairly well to domestication, oh. which is good news because antelope, you know, can eat very, can eat like total like dust, you know, like dry, dry, dry areas, right? Mm. The kind of places where the cows are always skinny and yeah. the antelopes are always fat. Eland have good, apparently they've got great meat, milk and hide. And, you so know. So are they domesticated Eland? Two countries are experimenting with farming Eland. One of those countries is Zimbabwe. I will give you one million pounds <laughs> if you can guess the second country. Kosovo. No, but do you know what? You are ridiculously close to your first swing. <laughs> really? Yeah. So some Eastern European country. 
I have nothing further to. I, I'm not. I'm not going to go through them all. And the guess Ukraine. Them. Really? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Why? Do you know any more about yeah, it, or is I, that it? Is I, that I, that all you're feeding us? That's the. That's that's all we've got. Oh man. <laughs> We're just going to have to track down an Eland farmer in, you know, the Donetsk. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe leave that a few years. Go do geese behind the lines. Yeah. Wow. I did a deep dive into antelope intelligence, Jack Baddams. I imagine it didn't take you very long. It revealed that, quote, since their food cannot run, antelopes <laughs> do not have to be quick thinking. <laughs> they just need instincts to run away, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, I don't want to say I lied to you, but I want to offer up some honest reflections. Mm-hmm. I started this saying, I think we should do a deep dive and try and redeem them. Mm-hmm. I did a deep dive. They're fucking unredeemable. <laughs> they are so boring. <laughs> oh. oh, just vindicated every natural history TV producer. <laughs> oh, my, there's, I, that's it. They're nice to look at, which, I mean, doesn't, isn't much for an audio-based <laughs> medium. I, yeah. I don't know how we end this, but I tried. I really, really tried. I've been Googling literally... What is interesting about antelopes? <laughs> and you just get nothing. I think, listener, if you're listening and you are, we know that we know you're out there. We know that there's people out there doing really cool stuff or there's people out there researching yeah. stuff. We've been told that we're listened to in labs in universities and stuff like that. If you are out there and you know someone who works with antelope, studies antelope, Get in touch with us. Maybe we can make this a part of April 24th's World Day for Lab Animals. <laughs> I, although I, I don't think um, people are like lab, lab rats. You just go in and sort of, there's a lot of Gerinooks just <laughs> lab in parlors. Exactly. Um, but if you are studying or caring for antelopes and you want to write Roddy's Blasphemy, then get in touch. If you can, if anyone out there can in any way make antelopes interesting, and I will open this up. If you're listening and you're an artist and you can just paint a cool picture of an antelope, yeah. if like I wanted to save them <laughs> and they're just, they're so dull. They're so dull. Like they're not even a thing. Like go back to it. They're anything which isn't a cow, a sheep, or a goat. They're not even a thing. Their default grouping is just things which aren't other things. Yeah. You become an antelope. They're just like their base animal, aren't they? It's the pound world reduce section <laughs> of, of the animal kingdom. Yeah. Mm. Well, on that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> Adams, we're back with Birda. Oh, some solid alliteration there. Um, I love a bit of alliteration. Yeah. Always alliterate effectively. <laughs> <laughs> Appropriately. Yes. Which this week, Jack, the Birda session is called Fine Words, Birda No Parsnips. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Man, honestly, I just to like park the segment for a moment. We when we record these, we're never sure what like we record them all and then we put them in as we, you know, chop them all up to go in the episodes. The the ones he had at the start of this recording session, I had some faith in that for 2024 we turned over a new leaf and you know, things were going to be brighter. No. No. Listeners, help me out here. Get any some more suggestions. 
I have we have had we have had some suggestions. To be honest, it was listener suggestions that turned me on to uh, the murder puns and the butter puns. So if anything, blame them. I'm blaming you. <laughs> <laughs> but Birder is, of course, the free app which helps you get outside and reconnect with nature, guiding you through bird watching and providing challenges for you to complete, with some challenges even coming with prizes. So mm. what better way to get involved with nature than by winning stuff as well yeah yeah <laughs> that's what we all need yeah. <laughs> um so whether it's your first time bird watching or you're an experienced bird watcher it's a great way to get outside and see more nature and also become part of a community which is really supportive in an age where social media is taking apart democracy <laughs> birder is there to build a flock of hope yeah oh, that's nice yeah you can have that birder <laughs> So if you don't know what you're looking at, you can submit your picture, upload it to your account, and other people can help you identify it. If you're really, you know, if you're like Jack and you know what you're looking at, uh, you can help people ID what they're seeing. Um, but not just that, Birder as an app has a built-in species ID guide, which can help you understand what's in your area. It can suggest what you may have seen based on what's been seen locally. It can even give you an idea if you're like, God, I want to go out and see some nature today, but I haven't got a clue what's kind of nearby me. It will say, you know, oh, this national park here, this has been seen here. Um, and for those listening in the UK, the species ID guide now has audio in it as well. So I should say, oh. we're now, if you're in the UK, we're just coming into spring. Yes. So there's no better time to start learning your bird calls than now. So, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, we at How Many Geese are taking a look at a couple standout species from Birder. And this week... Frankly, Jack, there's only one country that ever truly calls to us. Oh, it's klaxon time. That is the klaxon of nature's thunderdome. Yes, it calls to us. We're heading to Australia to see the barking owl. <laughs> Brilliant. We're <laughs> only in Australia. So, why Doth could... of the owls bark. <laughs> so, do you want to take us through it? I don't really know much about the barking owl. It's I'm just having a look at it now. The the owl that I'm more familiar with in Australia is the powerful owl, which I've just had a look at a barking owl now, and it looks quite similar. I've also just noticed that the barking owl is also known as the winking owl. Oh, well, you've got that birder's fact file on the barking owl. Mm. Let's just know that it's also got the nickname the screaming woman bird. Uh, right. So, uh, nope. Let's like, like as, as in like imagine just hearing hearing because barking owl makes it sound like you know less intense than screaming woman. But imagine hearing whatever sound it is emanating from a tree at night, shining your torch up, and then just seeing an owl there being like giving you a little wink. You'd be terrified. Shall we take a listen to a barking owl? Yeah, let's please. That's not it. That's the one. That's that. Yeah. So they. So, 
basically, it appears, from what I can gather, that they've got a range of noises. Yeah. So they've got some that sound like a barking dog noise, to some which it says here are an intense human-like howl. To some which sound like winking. So I've just found, I've just read why it seems to be called the winking owl, because it has the, and I quote, wonderful faculty of contracting and dilating the iris, which, if oh. somebody did that to me, as, a, as an attempt to, like, you know, wink and show their interest... I'd be, no, no thanks. It looked like the Hypnotoad in Futurama. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's apparently why they're called the Winking Owl, because their, yeah, their iris will contract and dilate. Hmm. Looking oh. to my eyes. That's why it does. It barks to get your attention, and then it goes, look into my eyes. You're feeling sleepy. You're, oh, fe- you're going to bring me lots the, of mice. <laughs> lots of mice. Like the, the snake in Jurassic Park. A Jurassic, the Jurassic Park Jungle Book. That one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Trust in me. <laughs> Bring me the vault. <laughs> That's what it does. So, has it been seen on Birda? Yes. It's been seen in Judbara, formerly known as Gregory National Park. Oh, so, nice. That reads to me like a nice move yes. being done by Australia. Top I, work. I think we can guess what direction that's moving in. Yeah. Um, so, if you're in Australia or even anywhere else listening to us, download Birda for free. Head to your App Store, your Google Play Store, get outside, see more birds, see more nature, and have a blessed nature-filled spring to 2024. It's time for that part of the show where we take one of nature's magnificent creatures and we pit it against Roddy Shaw in a fight to the death. Now, today's animal has been submitted on Instagram by Andy, and it is the Arabian sand boa. Hailing from the Arabian Peninsula and Iran, and only the Arabian Peninsula and Iran, this small snake only grows about 38 centimetres long. They've got cool patterns on them with sandy brown speckles, white flecks, dark banding, all to camouflage them with their environment. But they do look a bit daft because they've got a wedge-shaped head, a blunt snout, and two tiny eyes sat on the very, very top of their head, which make them look like some sort of bad taxidermy-style animal. (laughs) They bury themselves in the sand during the day when it's really, really hot, and at dusk they come up just below the surface, hiding just under a layer of sand with their tiny eyes sticking up where they wait for geckos and lizards. Uh, to walk past so they can grab them but they're pretty secretive little things very very rarely coming out like i say quite small so roddy shaw how many arabian sand boas are too many arabian sand boas okay i think we are in derpy animal territory yeah that's the perfect word for them yeah they um, look ridiculous don't they, they do they're silly they're stop it yeah just stop it do you think the other snakes look at them and they're just like, God damn well, it, Larry. I, I think that's the reason they hide in the sand. Because they're ashamed. <laughs> what pressure from the other snakes. Yeah, I just think you wouldn't want to be seen looking like that, would you? No. no. They look like a, ca- a child drawing of a snake. Like oh, they yeah. would draw a long wiggly thing yeah. and then you'd go, oh, you forgot the eyes. And they'd go, oh, and just put two pencil dots yeah. on and that's it. Yeah. Okay. But what... The thing with animals like this is it's why are they after me? Yeah. Why? How, how could I anger an Arabian mm. sand boa? I mean... Mm. You did just insult them. Well, I did, but bless them, they don't have ears. No. <laughs> so, do you say they're from the Arabian Peninsula? Yeah, and Iran. And nothing between? 
Only the Arabian Peninsula and Iran. And they're endemic. <laughs> they're endemic there. At what stage does endemic become you just, I was just from just thinking. Somewhere? I was just thinking the same thing because, you know, I guess you could say it's endemic to Africa. Yeah, but also I feel like anything which is endemic should not have the word and yeah. between the locations. Saying yeah. you're endemic to the Arabian Peninsula and Iran. Yeah. No, you're either endemic to the Arabian Peninsula or you're endemic to Iran. Yeah, okay. You literally can't be endemic yeah. to two places. Yeah. Right, if they're from the Arabian Peninsula, I've worked out why they're angry at me, and that's because I fucking hate Dubai. <laughs> oh, you do, don't you? I hate Dubai so much. Now, You want to put a bit of colour on that? No, I think it <laughs> speaks for itself. No, I can do this. I, um, I think it's a soulless, ghastly place, <laughs> which is the very personification of how consumerism has destroyed the natural world. Mm. And an obsessive race to be the it person is the rot at the (laughs) core of our society. So please like, subscribe, and share to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, I just, it's, 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 it's flashy. Mm. It's, but it's, it's flashy with no substance, Mm. which in many ways perhaps is the very opposite of an Arabian sandbox. I was just about to say, do you think that they're proud of Dubai? No, I they're very it, you know they are they're the opposite of flashy showy. They live in the sand. Well, do you think Dubai? Do you think Dubai is proud of sandboas? No. Do you think maybe it's actually me and the sandboas against Dubai? I don't think we can rule that out. <sighs> because the sandboas would be great for a little. They're, they're very much. Um, they could undermine the Burj. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine like walking out into the sand. It's very uh, raptors in the grass from Jurassic Park. Yes. Someone's walking out into the sand. All yes. of a sudden the sand starts wriggling and they just get sucked under and they just disappear. And it's just a hand reaching out of the sand, slowly being pulled up. Indiana Jones style. I, mm. I want to ally myself with the sand boas yeah. to take down Dubai. Take down Dubai. Take down Dubai. Yeah. I mean, they were just living peacefully in the desert. Having a good time when it was a fishing village. And then someone came along and was like, we're going to put golf courses here. I know. And whatever else. Out of order. Yeah. Um, no, Dubai, uh, it's... it's. Uh, I'm still stuck on how much I don't like it. I mean, look, I... Here, okay, very quickly, just because I do think it needs a, slight, a, a touch more flesh. But um, Dubai has, like, steamrolled any character out of the place and is just building up for the sake of building up. Yeah. Like, every time they build a tall building, you're in the building and on the little, like, viewing thing, it's like, and if you look over there, you will see the next tallest building. <laughs> and it's like, you can just chill out. Yeah. And it's such an obvious bubble when you're there. Yeah. Oh, madness. Anyway, so, I, th- we're, we're tearing up the rule book and me and the wow. sandboas are bringing down Dubai. How, how, how are they can undermining it? I, I think we have to think of the strengths that each uh, each of us is bringing to this mm. mission. Mm. I want to say that my main strength <laughs> is passion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the sandboas, now we are allies, so I don't want to besmirch my allies, no. but I will say that their strengths are few. Yes, and mainly... <laughs> subterranean. <laughs> fixed around wriggling in the sand. <laughs> The strengths are limited. So but, as a team, we've got it. We've got to work cut out for ourselves to try and take down one of the fastest growing states. But also, who are they? Who uh, who are you up against? Influencers, the United Arab Emirates. Going who? Never Shakes. heard of them. 
billionaires. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's true. Um, but no, I think we just need to leave a mark. So there are beach clubs mm-hmm. in Dubai where DJ glitz, glamour, mm. everyone. Ah, oh, yeah, we love it here. God, it's so good. You can. <laughs> it's terrible. What you're about. I think we need some kind of event that will leave a bit of a mark. Yeah. So I want to ally with the sandboas to take down a beach club's worth of influencers mm. in Dubai. Yeah. There's no point trying to sink a yacht because the sandboas <laughs> they're, they're not seaboas. That's not their <laughs> yeah. That's not their bag, right? But the beach, sand, yeah. And like the beaches in Dubai, I don't know if it, it's now so hot in Dubai that they're like flood lighting the beaches at night so people can really? go at night. But that's then like screwing up the turtles because they want to nest oh. and then like any opportunity to it's do the right just thing. It's a dystopian future, isn't it? They just do the wrong one, you know? <laughs> and they had cop. Like, what's that about? <laughs> you know? So me and the sandboas, we're going to ruin a beach club in Dubai. Yeah. To send a message. To send a message to a DJ who's just trying. <laughs> But I think I can't, I can't pick a fight with something that derpy, which no. has had its home ruined to such mm. a, you know, to such an extent. Yeah, that's something you feel very passionate about. Exactly. I'm on their side. Yeah. Every other animal up till now, <laughs> dead to me. But the sand boas and I are forming. You an, look into those tiny little derpy eyes and see a un, kindred spirit. Unblinking eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I look into something so visibly empty. <laughs> what is it Nietzsche said? When you gaze into the void long enough, it gazes back into you. That is an Arabian sandboa. Yeah. In a nutshell. So, yes. with with yeah, Guided by German philosopher Frederick Nietzsche, me and the sandboas are going to take down a beach club in Dubai. <laughs> and the number is every sandboa living in dubai oh all i think that they'd once was i think they'd ra- rally the tribe oh. yeah everyone from the arabian peninsula because first dubai but next you know yeah all the other beach clubs that are ruining the turtles a- eggs another yeah another middle eastern state state <laughs> <laughs> okay let's uh let's call this one before we <laughs> before we cause an incident <laughs> Jack Adams, we're here with the questions, and this week's question is through to us from Roz underscore Fish, and they ask, which animal would make the best gym buddy? A gym rat. <laughs> is it, That's a phrase, isn't it? It's as, a phrase. As someone who's stepped in a gym once in my life, I just wanted to check that that was a phrase. That's a phrase. Okay. Um, but no, a rat wouldn't, wouldn't make a, a good one, I don't think. No. Well, have, how many times have you been in a gym? I used to, ten when I was early 20s, I went to the gym every day. Did you? I went to the gym every day. Okay, I had a personal trainer. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, you're going to need to add some colour then as what's going to make a good gym buddy. So, I... Another word, like another phrase that comes into my head is, spot me, bro. Yep. Is that a thing? That's a phrase, yeah. And I should say that hopefully by the time this broadcasts, I will have got my act into gear, because guess what the resolution is? (laughs) Back in the gym. Back in the gym. Right. So what animal are you taking with you? Well, yeah, okay, maybe I can think about this in that sense. So, okay, let's cast myself <laughs> as lead. <laughs> first, the absolute first thought that came to head. Came to head? Absolute first thought that came to mind. Gorilla. 
now. I'm going at that just because big, strong, yeah. pick up things, yeah. buff, buff, buff. But I actually think you need to think about your position in the gym. Mm. For example, if I was three, four years into my Olympic weightlifting career, then sure, yeah. gorilla, right? Because you want someone who's going to spot you, egg you on, yeah. and that, you know, when they lift their weight and it goes to you, you don't have to take off everything you know yeah. you don't want to be hassled you want to be you want someone like who you're toe to toe with yeah so yeah. i think this is quite a bespoke question to the individual okay so i see so it's you want someone who's on your level so you've got like that mutual encouragement to go to the gym and you're yep. following the same journey together yeah whereas the gorilla which i think a gorilla would have a really nice gym demeanor I think it would be quite nice and friendly and it would be like really buff guy, but that's also very encouraging, but I think might be a little bit intimidating when you're first there. So the, these are the, yes, yeah, see, there's there's slight, there's subtleties here. I do agree that the gorilla, I think would be, I mean, going with a chimpanzee, forget it. <laughs> oh yeah. Forget it. Yeah. Forget it. They're going to be, they're going to be sniffing out the steroids <laughs> the second they're in the door. And the orangutan would be too busy doing weed to yeah, come to the gym. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think a gorilla does have that calm demeanour and would encourage you. I think what you want to do is you want a gym buddy, but you want a gorilla in the gym mm. so that after a while, one day when you're leaving, they say to you, hey, man, <laughs> you did good today. A gorilla would totally do that. You know, yeah. exactly. Just like, oh, my God, saw you pick that up. No way. Yeah. You know, was that new personal best? <laughs> You'd be like, yeah. I think, no, there was sort of a soft accent there to my gorilla. But <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I agree. Yes. I think I should also just add that I think we're coming at this. Well, I mean, we are coming at this through the male lens. Yes. So again, it's about what you want from the gym itself. Mm-hmm. Maybe you, you know, are a lady going there for like very yoga. Yes. Sort of reasons, and that would be a very different, a different thing as well. But let's think. So I want a gorilla in the gym, but I don't want them to be my gym buddy. Yeah. I don't want a big cat. No. Very strong, but they're quite intimidating. too intimidating. Yeah. They just they don't have the, the warmth of a gorilla. I just don't think I don't think they would be like overly hard on you. I just think they'd be they wouldn't be they'd just get on with it themselves. You wouldn't talk there'd be no yeah. there'd be no chat. There's, there's, yeah. Like yeah. as soon as that leopard's on the treadmill, it's just doing it for I also think if you were on the machine that the big cat wanted to use, <laughs> it would just go in the corner and like crouch down and stare at you. <laughs> with yeah. absolute death yeah and t- it wouldn't actually say hey man you know when you're done it just yeah. you know want yeah. to kill you yeah that's fair so they're out thinking of phrases mm. strong as an ox yeah I, but, oh, an ox. but once again a bit too intimidating i think uh, well, if you've got the phrase strong as an ox yeah. I, I, <laughs> but again i want an ox in the gym yeah because i think yeah similar gorilla vibes yeah like do cows get angry buffalo don't want a buffalo in the don't gym want don't want a buffalo in the gym no Gorilla in the gym, ox in the gym. Uh, what about... What do we think about bears? Ooh. Polar? No. Sun? Maybe. <laughs> Panda? Oh, I mean, I just... I, I don't want them to be my friend. <laughs> like, I just want... I'm thinking of... Right, here, here's my thought process. This is how I ended up on bear. I'm thinking of, you want an animal that, when it gets in shape, mm. it's in good shape. Yes. But also not an animal that's afraid to work from a position where it's put on a few pounds. Okay. A bear. Yeah. 
famously oh, puts on a lot of pounds. Hibernation. And then, you know. Oh, joint motivation coming out of hibernation. So could you, you know, get in shape? Is there another little animal that gets rotund? <laughs> or an animal that's not in its best shape and then gets into its best shape? It's got experience. It knows, you know, just every year. I think I think the hibernation because also then going back to my very first point that ties in with a New Year's resolution vibe. Yeah, and you're talking about an animal which has done that resolution mm. time and time again, yeah. and it waits until March when you know the gyms are less busy because everyone else has given up by then. Yeah, yeah. When it wakes up in March, yes. Everybody else who was gymming in January and February, they've already packed up now. Their new New Year's resolutions thrown to the you know kick to the curb. Yeah. The bear wakes up in March. Yeah. Waltzes into the gym. Yeah. Everybody else has already gone, and it just works on it until then it gets to whatever September, and it decides, you know, I'm just going to get fat again now. <laughs> it has its summer bod. It has like hot bear summer, and then it's, I'm just going to indulge, and then I'm going to go sleep. And by the time you get to September, you've made friends with the gorilla. Yeah. And you've caught up with them, and now you're in their little yeah. game. And then you, and then when the bear comes back out of hibernation, you're there to be like, oh, hello again, you know, and it's like, oh, looking good, man. But also then the bear is looking at you who's maintained yeah, the yeah. you know, the relationship with the gorilla and now you it's almost like a a a, a master teacher, yeah, you know, yeah. the student becomes the master. You're yeah. then there to help G the bear up. Yeah, like you welcome it back in the gym and the bear's like, Oh, you're looking good, man. And you're yeah. like, Yeah, yeah, thanks for you for getting me yeah. going. Yes. Right. So but polar's out. Polar's out. I'm th- I'm thinking Black. Black, yeah, because grizzly, too scary. Too scary. Too intimidating. Way too scary. But black bear, I think, is, an, is the nice mix. Because it's is it it's grizzlies where they have the fat bear competition, isn't it? Yes. In whatever park it is in Alaska where yeah. there's that, that one particular bear that is the fattest bear <laughs> <laughs> that puts on all the pounds when it's eating the salmon before going into hibernation. But yeah, I think grizzly, a bit too... Uh, but a black bear would be nice, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. I think a black bear moving into gorilla yep. once you've got your momentum. Yeah. Now, do we want to throw anything in for not necessarily getting hench, like just getting toned? Oh. Like maybe a running buddy? Yeah. A okay. gazelle? I was thinking gazelle. Yeah. Because they are, they're like live. Yeah. Aren't they? Yeah. They're very healthy, vegan diet. Mm. True. You know? Yeah. So. I don't know how good they'd be in a yoga studio. What about the the Gerinooks, the Gerinooks, which stand up? You seen them? Oh, they yes. stand on their hind legs. And they've got a the huge long neck as well. Yeah, and they stand on their hind legs to reach up to the uh, acacia leaves and things like that. So they they're good at stretching. Very stretching. Yep. Yes, I think I think that I think if you were like if you were more Lululemon like line of gym. What's Lululemon? It's like the fitness brand for like yoga studios okay. and it's all very... <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. I see. Bums and tums or whatever. Right. Yeah. You know, rather than Jim Jim. Rather than like get hench bro. Yeah. You know, exactly. I think a Gerinook. Yeah. I think, I think they'd be good. What else is... Is there anything else that's a bit lithe and... Uh... I actually think a cheetah. I was thinking about the cats. If you were doing athletics. Yeah. A cheetah. I think something like a clouded leopard would be good at yoga. Yeah. Not... Big, not the lions and the tigers. No. They're too much. No. They're too much. They're but too I much. think a cheetah, clouded leopard, the mid cats. Yeah. Your mid range. Ocelot. Ocelot. Yep. Yeah. And then 
lastly, just to throw it in there, martial arts. Like if you, so you're not just lifting weights. Yeah. You're not doing flex. You're like, I'm going to take up boxing. <laughs> okay. Um, well, there are. Mantis shrimp. <laughs> I was just thinking there are animals that do boxing, but it is a mantis shrimp. Um, what would be? Uh, is that like a hit class? What's a hit class? That's high intensity interval training. Okay, I don't know what that. <laughs> uh, um, That's where you do like a short burst of mad exercise, uh, and then you have a break, and then a short burst of okay. mad exercise, and then a break. Right. That would be like a lizard going like. Like where yeah. they run and stop and run and stop and run and stop the, and run the and stop. The green tiger beetle. Yeah. Just yeah. sprinting and then stopping. Yeah. Well, maybe we should come back to martial arts. Yeah. there's a whole range of them. Mm. Different skills, different thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. That's a question for another day. Another day, listener. Yeah. <laughs> and that was this week's How Many Geese. Thank you very much for listening. If you are a new listener, welcome. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Keep on sharing it and telling your friends. It seems to be the main way the show is growing and we have seen some of our highest numbers ever with Season 7 kicking off, so thank you so much. Other ways to help us out that we really appreciate if you're listening on iTunes or Apple and you can leave a written review, that massively helps with the algorithm. And same with Spotify, any reviews and ratings you can leave there help too. Head on over to the Instagram page at HowManyGeese for updates and the odd behind-the-scenes peek. And if you're feeling extra generous, do head over to Buy Me A Coffee where you can leave us a tip at HowManyGeese. Thanks everyone for listening. We're going to be back next week. Cheers. Bye-bye.